enough of such talk. Let me tell you about my seven select spirits. They are having nursery tea at the present moment with a minimum of comfort and a maximum of noise. So if you can bear a deafening babble of voices and an unmusical clitter-clatter of crockery, I will take you inside the room and introduce them to you. Nursery tea is more an English institution than an Australian one. There is a kind of bon camaraderie feeling between parents and young folk here, and an utter absence of veneration on the part of the latter. So even in the most wealthy families, it seldom happens that the parents dine in solemn state alone, while the children are having a simple tea in another room. They all assemble around the same board, and the young ones partake of the same dishes and sustain their parts in the conversation right nobly. But given a very particular and rather irritable father, and seven children with excellent lungs and tireless tongues, what could you do but give them separate rooms to take their meals in? Captain Woolcott, the father, in addition to this division, had had thick felt put over the swing door upstairs. But the noise used to float down to the dining room in a cheerful, unconcerned manner, despite it. It was a nursery without a nurse, too. So that partly accounted for it. Meg, the eldest, was only sixteen and could not be expected to be much of a disciplinarian. And the slatternly but good-natured girl, who was supposed to combine the duties of nursery maid and housemaid, had so much to do in her second capacity that the first suffered considerably. She used to lay the nursery meals when none of the little girls could be found to help her and bundle on the clothes of the two youngest in the morning. But beyond that, the seven had to manage for themselves. The mother, you ask? Oh, she was only twenty. Just a lovely, laughing-faced girl whom they all adored, and who was very little steadier and very little more of a housekeeper than Meg. Only the youngest of the brood was hers, but she seemed just as fond of the other six as of it, and treated it more as if it were a very entertaining kitten than a real live baby and her very own. Indeed, at Miss Rule, that is the name their house always went by, though I believe there was a different one painted above the balcony, that baby seemed a gigantic joke to everyone. The captain generally laughed when he saw it, tossed it in the air and then asked someone to take it quickly. The children dragged it all over the country with them, dropped it countless times, forgot its police on wet days, muffled it up when it was hot, gave it the most astounding things to eat. And yet it was the healthiest, prettiest and most sunshiny baby that ever sucked a wee fat thumb. It was never called baby either. That was the special name of the next youngest. Captain Woolcott had said, Hello, is this the general? When the little red staring-eyed morsel had been put into his arms and the name had come into daily use. Though I believe at the christening service, the curate did say something about Francis Rupert Bernard Woolcott. Baby was four, and was a little soft fat thing with pretty cuddlesome ways, great smiling eyes and lips very kissable when they were free from jam. She had a weakness, however, for making the general cry, or she would have been really almost a model child. Innumerable times she had been found pressing its poor little chest to make it squeak, and even pinching its tiny arms, or pulling its innocent nose just for the strange pleasure of hearing the yells of despair it instantly set up. Captain Woolcott ascribed the peculiar tendency to the fact that the child had once had a dropsical-looking woolly lamb, 
from which the utmost pressure would only elicit the faintest possible squeak. He said it was only natural that now she had something so amenable to squeezing, she should want to utilise it. Bunty was six and was fat and very lazy. He hated scouting at cricket. He loathed the very name of a paper chase. And as for running an errand, why, before anyone could finish saying something was wanted, he would have utterly disappeared. He was rather small for his age, and I don't think had ever been seen with a clean face. Even at church, though the immediate front turned to the minister might be passable, the people in the next pew had always an uninterrupted view of the black rim where washing operations had left off. The next on the list, I am going from youngest to oldest, you see, was the show Woolcott, as Pip the eldest boy used to say. You have seen those exquisite child angel faces on Raphael Tuck's Christmas cards. I think the artist must have dreamed of Nell.